yeah. Okay, hello, hello, Joanne. Happy, happy Halloween, or as we say in ancient um, Celtic times, can you say the right pronunciation of it? Uh, Siren. So um, this is uh, a lovely time actually because it's Celtic New Year. So um, the Siren is the ending of a cycle and the beginning of a new one, and we have modernised it as, as Halloween. But it's still, I think, a celebration that captivates people a little bit. You know, we're still we're still quite interested in. So, um, albeit that I'm not sure we fully understand. So we might get a time to to chat a little bit more about that exactly. as yeah. as the day. On because it it fits in I think with some of the topics that we're talking yes, about. It really does. It absolutely does, and it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because the last time we did a, an interview was exactly at the same time a number of years ago. When we were doing interviews for Destination Wellbeing. Right? Yes, yes, absolutely. So yeah, so um, there are no perfect synchronicity, synchronicity and lining up there. Um, uh, yeah, so and we've both I guess come a long way since that. Oh years ago now so um so much has changed yeah, um, maybe, maybe longer i think maybe yeah. Long yeah. Time ago. yeah so much changed and so much stays the same is is isn't it you know that yeah. there's a there's an element of both in there so. yeah um, but very excited to be part of all of this this yeah. really good really excited to have you on super excited i have known joanne for a long long time now i think from memory i think we met in carlingford um, about, I'm guessing seven years ago, would that be right? Yeah, and yeah, it definitely is. We yeah. briefly met. Um, yeah, I was part of a medieval festival, I think, in Carlingford, yeah. and, yeah. That, uh, yeah. and then I think our next connection was actually a summer solstice celebration. So, yeah. um, yes, and if we go with seven years, we've got a seven-year cycle that started at Sol, actually started at Lunasa, mm -hmm. went to solstice, and then moved into seven. So we're, we're there's loads of. Um, elements of the Celtic calendar there as well. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. So for those of you who don't know, Joanne Callum um, is, in my opinion, a really inspirational, interesting and authentic um, therapist based down in Newry. Um, Joanne is a reflexologist, Reiki master, a moon mother, relaxed kids coach and trainer. And more recently, a mind, body, soul, nutritional coach, which I'm very interested in. Um, am I right in saying that's what you did your degree in? Was it food science? Yes, Did food I? science. So I studied at Lockery, which is um, Cookstown based, and I studied food science and nutrition. And that has always kind of underpinned a lot of what I do um, and really where my heart lies. I mean, I'm a foodie. I, I, I love food. Um, and yet I know that for many of us, we can say we love food and yet our relationship with food and our relationship with body image is actually quite complex and very often based in anything except love. We might say we love food, uh, but when you actually pick beneath the surface on that, mm -hmm. um, you know, how much of the emotion that's connected to a relationship with food is actually guilt and um you know is it a love-based reason is it a fear-based reason there's there's so much to it so um food has always fascinated me and i think you know here across the whole island of ireland mm -hmm. we have access to some of the most amazing food um mm -hmm. locally produced food and the highest quality ingredients that i'm not sure we always fully appreciate just how 
amazing, you know, how amazing that is um, and how much we're still quite connected, albeit that there is a disconnect, but we're still quite connected to our food source. You know, most of us will see animals in the field. Most of us will see farmers about the road. You know, we, we, we're still relatively connected to our food source, even um, in our busy lives. So, uh, you know, yeah, the whole psychology of eating stuff really, really fascinates me and has been an amazing journey. Uh, you know, the training pretty much uh, just brought together lots of stuff that I've been working on down through the years in my own personal journey, really, mm-hmm. um, as much as anything else. And I run, I run a program called Be Balanced, which I began running about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And when I was started talking about Be Balanced, which was based on, I guess, my own health and well-being and, and weight loss journey, uh, it was a little bit out there at the time, you know, I was you talking about the law of attraction, I was talking about vision boards, I was talking about stuff like that. And, um, and whilst people were maybe starting to use that in lots of areas of their lives, they weren't actually really looking at how that tied into things like their weight, their health, that side of it. You know, when the secret came out, a lot of us focused on the materialistic side of the law of attraction and, and how that, that all worked. Um, Whereas for me, it had actually been around my health and around emotional healing and, and that kind of stuff. So when I came across the Institute for the Psychology of Eating, which are, is, is the world's leading institute in, in this area, and they're doing amazing work, mm-hmm. um, it really just connected because I was like, yeah, they're saying what I experienced, mm-hmm. but I'm also getting a bit more in terms of the research, the science, the studies, all of that kind of stuff. And it just totally resonated. And um, I was very lucky to get a kind of a part scholarship with them to complete the study. And it just all, the dots joined and the timing was right. And, um, you know, like all learning, I mean, I'm only, whilst I had a, a good solid foundation in it, and then I've added on, you know, a lot of the information that they've given. And then it's a bit like drop passing your driving test. You kind of are learning then, as you go, you know, as you go along, you've passed your driving test, you're, you can drive, um, but you gain your experience and your skills. So, yeah. it, you know, it has been amazing. Um, the light bulb moments and the conversations have been super. Mm. Yeah, really, really, really yeah. powerful. Some really powerful mm. stuff. Yeah, it's, I was just saying to you before we actually started recording, I would say nearly, well, the vast majority of the work that I would do would be group work based and uh, women within those groups and it always always comes up um weight loss um body image and how how i try and um i suppose frame it is not about weight loss but more about your health and more about focusing on the health aspect rather than the actual weight loss but at the same time, if you do want to lose weight, this is, this is, I suppose, what I really want to ask about the weight loss side of things. So whilst it's, I feel it's important to, to frame it as a health um, section or part of our lives, the other real side of it is, if you do want to lose weight, then what about, um, what about the whole thing about weighing yourself? and focusing on that so because if you want to lose weight you kind of have to know what weight you are and what would be a healthy weight so 
how how do those things marry up? Um, it's it's such it's such a minefield, um, and I suppose what I find is that what works for one doesn't work for the other. Um, is a big part of it. You know, weighing ourselves, scales, measurement, all of that can be a big motivator for a lot of people, um, and it can also be a huge demotivator. Um, you know, if you particularly as women are our proportion of of water and fluid that we carry changes you know so if you're the type of person who steps on the scales on a regular basis and based on you know a number you determine the outcome of your day or how you're going to feel about yourself for that day I mean that's as we can imagine incredibly unhealthy because that's never going to serve a purpose for anybody Um, and unfortunately I guess most of us have a more negative association with scales then we will have positive so from that place I would say to people park the scales mm-hmm. at least for a while it, it fits in a wee bit sometimes like where I'm with fertility clients um I'll often say you know if you can let's bring everything else into your sexual relationship with your partner and kind of make sure you're not pregnant so that you come off the roller coaster so sometimes what we need to do to break the cycle particularly for anybody that has had a, lo- a lifetime journey mm-hmm. in terms of wanting to lose weight um if we always do what we always did we'll always get what we always got so in that situation i would say to people look try something different let's see how it goes with us parking the scales forgetting about all of that for now making some healthy changes not putting yourself on that roller coaster of of a pound on of a pound off of two pound on of two pound off because ultimately what will tell the real story is your clothes and how they fit and yes. how you fit in them yes um, and the other big part of that journey is that i as a, a you know my path with it or, or the way that i like to work with my clients on it is is that when we put the other wheels in motion, the weight happens almost by default. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, very often, it's the side effect of dealing with maybe some of the other areas of our life. It's the side effect of making positive changes. And, and that was my own experience. That was my own journey was that for years, you know, I had done the roller coaster diet. My first memory is... My first memory of dieting as such, I don't know if you remember, I'm sure possibly some people listening and will remember the dreaded cabbage soup diet where, you know, for three days you were going to eat nothing but this horrible cabbage soup that, um, you know, was going to give you half a stone weight loss in four days. You know, oh, this kind of yeah, that's- you know there, was, there was, and there was various different versions of that. And, and you know, I was at different um, slimming groups and different things. Did I need to be or did I feel I feel I needed to be? You know, that's always the other question that's was I just going along with kind of this is what people do and I need to lose weight. And I honestly can't really say whether when I was there I needed to. I probably was inverted commas a little bit overweight. Um but at the time when that journey started, I think it was just something we were doing as as women and as girls and, and we were just going with it. Um the conversations that you hear and the conversations that you overhear from women about their shape, about their weight, about their diet is, is unbelievable. Like It really um, And I guess obviously over the last while I've become much more aware of, of how that is a fundamental part of, of conversation. It's gotten to the point now where I noticed that it's almost like talking about the weather. 
Were you good at the weekend? Were you bad? No, I had, I did, I had. And, and I don't think it's something, and, and, you know, not to say that men aren't body conscious and body aware, and we know that there's a lot of pressures there and more so now than potentially there has ever been. Um, However, I don't imagine that I, I don't, you know, I'm rarely, in fact, I've never heard it. Um, heard a group of men sitting down and the opening line of a conversation was oh my god I was so bad at the weekend why what made you so bad did you rob a bank no I ate chocolate cake and a Chinese you know it's like actually we're you know it, it forms such a fundamental part of a conversation for people who um do and do not have a health weight problem and that's you know that's that's a significant thing here is is when we say we want to lose weight is it actually based on on you know our bmi which i mean again that's a whole other conversation because bmi is so skewed um you only have to look at rugby players who are super fit heavy you know but are have a high bmi because the 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 measurement doesn't actually fit what's going on so there are so you know it's such a, a a loaded area in terms of our conversation and we have so many deeply deeply ingrained um beliefs that actually when we sit down with them we don't actually believe our truth mm-hmm. a lot of the time but words like i was so bad i was you know i can't believe i just ate that um in any group of women i i was with a group of women last week and um it was 14 of us away on a retreat enjoying really amazing food we were in Italy amazing food and and not from a place of of anything other than just general conversation um you know I can't count the number of times I heard in the conversation women saying oh my god I've two stone on me already now they didn't have two stone on already by no stretch of anybody's imagination we had eaten some really delicious food we were in italy you know mm. eat pray love what else that's italy is all about that yeah. um and and so underpinning these really amazing experiences with fabulous food and and everything that went with that was the guilt the you know the the, the negative side of it so whilst we were enjoying the food we actually weren't a lot, a lot, not everybody, but you know, the, the collective conversation, yeah. um, which if I was to say to people, do you really mean you have two stone on? The answer is, of course I don't. Mm-hmm. But it forms part of our story and, and we know how deeply ingrained that mm-hmm. story runs then. Um, and so that has a huge impact actually on our metabolism as well. Mm-hmm. And this is where the science comes in. And this is for me where it really got quite interesting because when we are eating, with the underpinning space of guilt mm-hmm. um our body is metabolizing in stress response which means then that our cortisol levels are high our adrenaline levels are high and what we're taking in gets stored as fat mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so it's right back to the primal fight flight or fight and it, it's how our body processes in, in terms of stress if we're eating in relaxation response, um, if I'm eating chocolate cake and I'm really allowing myself to savor the flavors and the tastes and, and every bit of that experience, then my body metabolizes in relaxation response. Endorphins get released, my metabolism increases. Um, and you know that's just over one meal. If you imagine with 
all of the depth that we have in terms of our relationships with food and, and the beliefs that we have, have um, there is there are so many beliefs there that will cause stress response. And so we're in that vicious circle. Um, and the other, the other really interesting part for me with this journey, the few, one of the light bulbs for me particularly was that there is so much wellness culture at the moment. And, and I mean, you know, I know both of us are very supportive of all of that. Um, but the interesting part for me has been that the person with the healthiest diet is not necessarily the person with the healthiest relationship with food. Those are two very different pictures. Mm -hmm. So someone who maybe doesn't eat the healthiest diet Mm -hmm. may actually have a healthier relationship with food, which is part of the jigsaw puzzle as well. Mm -hmm. It's not what we eat, it's how we eat and who we are as eaters um, that forms a big part of the picture. Mm -hmm. So... And I, it's funny, I would, I would always say to groups, you know, enjoy, it's funny you've mentioned the cake, eat the cake guilt-free, enjoy it, because that will do your body much more benefit than eating the cake and feeling really guilty about it. Absolutely. I just added the scientific part of that on how important it is to have your body in a restful and relaxed state before you eat. Um, absolutely and take it you know even things that you know we maybe historically took for granted um you know a a simple act of grace before meals Mm -hmm. allows us a moment of pause now you can you can modernize that or you can you can do that in whatever way you can do gratitude you can Mm -hmm. you know bless pray whatever works for anybody you can sit and just look at your plate Mm -hmm. most of us actually have our dinner finished before we've even realized what's on the plate what we've done you know we're eating on the run we're eating on the go and and i know i'm aware of generalizing um and and i fall in mm-hmm. into those categories the same as anybody else so it's not kind of mm-hmm. you know oh i'm the holy grail and i mm-hmm. i do it perfectly um i've certainly become more aware of it and i think awareness is is the key kind of to success but just taking that moment to take a few deep breaths mm-hmm. pause feel grateful and and feel a sense of gratitude for the food that's in front of you rather than a sense of if I get this in quick enough the calories don't count you know I think I think sometimes you need that mindset the quicker I eat this the less it's I'm going to connect with it or you know however that runs so and I think you know as we know the conscious mind may not be feeling guilty the subconscious mind is what's running the story so the work kind of needs to be done at, at, at quite a deep level because consciously I can say oh no I'm quite happy to have this bowl of ice cream or this piece of chocolate cake or the Chinese or, or whatever it is um, and that can be a conscious thought but the subconscious is going yeah but you're going to regret that tomorrow and you know thinks of a moment on the lips a lifetime on the hips and you know all of those kind of just general stuff that we drop into conversation and um, so there's you know and that when we're eaten when we're when we're coming from a place of I guess what we're eating um it's for me it's really been about being aware of why am I doing that am I doing it from a place of love am I doing it from a place of fear am I doing it you know and and the same with exercise am I doing exercise because I want to celebrate what my body can do Mm -hmm. am I doing exercise because I'm worried about gaining half a pound Mm -hmm. at at the week and and our and how 
how we're approaching it's not what we do it's, it's mm -hmm. how we feel about what we do um, and we know the work of um, Dr. Moto and the power of intention in terms of just water molecules um, the whole level of of that translating into food and how the intention that we're putting into food and you know how our foods prepared we we all can relate to you know a homemade dish that we you know have a real um sentimental connection with whether that's maybe something that your mommy has made your auntie has made your granny has made or, or you know your best friend's mommy or whatever it is we've got so many connections there that you know, I 100% believe, and there is science, you know, around some of this, that, you know, you will metabolize homemade apple pie in such a different way because it, there's love in that. There is, you know, there's memory. It, it, satisfi it satisfies in a very different way than, you know, your shop-bought apple pie. Calorie for calorie, they may be exactly the same, but the energy of food is about more than the calories. Mm -hmm. and ultimately one of the things that sort of underpins a lot of the, the, the talks that I will do is helping people to see you can eat anything you want mm -hmm. the challenge or the, 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 the work is done in changing what you want because if I want to eat a really nutritious salad from a place of love and um, you know enjoyment and pleasure and that that's what I want to eat it's really easy to eat that if I'm eating a really you know, if I'm eating a salad, it doesn't matter how nice it is if what I want to eat is burger and chips. Mm. Um, because I'm not going, the salad's actually not really going to do me much good because it's not what I want to eat. So, uh, so are we talking there about intuitive eating? Are we talking there about listening to your body and allowing your body to eat what it wants to eat in that moment? Yes. Yes. I've experienced this myself because I know, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners, and I'm sure you can relate to this yourself as well, Joanne. If I'm ever going through a difficult time in my life, I am craving and wanting and desiring different foods from when everything is easy and effortless. And it's, it's a completely different, I wouldn't say the relationship with food is different, but what I want to eat and what satisfies me is different. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What I've, what I've come to understand, accept, yeah, accept, I think, with grace, is that if I am comfort eating in a period of time, that like a season, it'll change. Yeah. So allow yourself the comfort food because you're going to a new season. That will pass. And then you'll be eating different food to what you're to the to what's going on in your life at that time. So, um, is that a little bit about what you're talking about as well, like listening to your body and honouring it and eating what you really want to eat? Yes, I think um, yeah, listening, checking in with why your body wants the particular thing. What is it given? You know, what is it given to you at that moment? And as you say, absolutely listening to that um and allowing it then to pass even in a short you know so that might last for a couple of days it might last a little bit longer i suppose it's if it's lasting a little bit longer and it's then worth saying okay well what is that giving me what is it i really want from that particular food stuff or whatever and can i find other ways of 
bringing in, you know, if it's sugary stuff that somebody's, what other areas of my life can I focus on the sweetness and the joy and, you know, the pleasure. And so like everything, too much of anything is, is not, you know, it's, it's about balance. And I absolutely, yes, it, it's the intuitive eating. It's listening in and thinking, that's okay. My body needs that little bit of sugar right now. I mean, you know, or, or whatever it is. Um, I was driving late the other evening back from the airport. Um, you know, and, and I know that the, the right thing at that point is a can of Diet Coke that will give me the boost to, to do it. If I'm doing that every day, is that the right thing? It's not. Um, but there's a time and a place for everything. Um, and it's, it's about creating balance. And it's using exactly, turn, you know, what's our body saying? Can we use the relationship, our relationship with food, which is, you know, interlocked with our, our relationship with our body image because of, of, of how we, you know, we see it right from almost the moment of conception. Mm-hmm. This marker in terms of weight the weight of your baby that you know all of that is is so intrinsically linked and then we move into early feeding and and you know the habits that we the beliefs that we pick up from um you know clean up all your plate how much you eaten how much of the feeding how many ounces are they taking what you know all of that kind of stuff so all this relationship with food is it's so intrinsically, in fact, I would go so far as to say it is probably one of the most important relationships that we have, not because of the food, but how it, the story that it, it tells for us. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and the big thing, we, we mentioned some weight loss, if people have a weight loss goal, um, you know, a huge part of that is, I see women all the time, and I'm sure you've met them as well, Michelle, whether it's friends or professionally or whatever, who get to their ideal weight, but it's still not given them mm-hmm. what they still don't feel about themselves, what they think that, that that's got, is going to happen because they've lost a stone or two stone or whatever. They're still finding the spot on their nose that nobody else can see. And, and, and so the work for me, when we do the deeper work, mm-hmm. the weight actually happens by default. It, you don't even need to focus on it. In fact, the, the healthiest thing that I find we can do because many women have spent a lifetime focusing on it is to default to listen to their body and to use the relationship with food and and the beliefs in the story and and how they are as eaters and how this view their body as their signposts to ultimate health and well-being and 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 vitality and and optimized health and optimized body image and confidence and and you know self-acceptance and and there you know I have so many examples in fact probably most of the clients that I'm working with at the moment on paper technically don't have any weight to lose from a health perspective I mean maybe half a stone or a stone would shift things a little bit but that's not the emphasis it's it's how the relationship with food is um you know, we, we often see food as something we can't control. If our life's out of control, it gives us, it, it's something that we can control. Even, not even to the level of eating disorder level, but just on a day-to-day kind of, you know, basis. Um, and we can also use, you know, what is the story of our weight? Is it a form of protection? You know, that's a common area for women where it actually, you know, they've maybe been in a relationship where their partner maybe jealous and 
and as a result of not wanting to feel attractive, they put weight on. There's, you know, there's, there's so many levels to that. Um, I was working recently with a lady who um, had quite a, you know, quite a lot of weight around her middle. It was all around her tummy. Um, and when we were sort of scratching beneath the surface on the story, where, where we got to was in her light bulb moment was that actually at school, she'd always been so aware of the size of her breasts that she started to put weight on in her tummy so that her breasts would be less noticeable. Mm. Um, so there's, you know, there's, there, there's so much that, that, that. that our connection with that can lead us to heal yeah. um, because that then brought us to another path for her, you know, and that it's, it's using all of that story really as, as kind of signposts of, of where we can go. And as I said, you know, the person often with what would be perceived on paper as the healthiest diet, you know, who is eating kale and, and avocado and, you know, juicing all day, every day, may not be coming at it from the healthiest place. Um, you know, they may be self-critical. They may be, uh, you know, afraid of putting on weight there's, there's so many different layers in there so absolutely the intuitive eating and kind of listening to what your body needs and using it as those signposts and then sometimes as you know as a friend of mine said to me on oh, numerous numerous occasions Joanne, i'm listening to my body and i need an interpreter <laughs> um, <laughs> which you know it's and sometimes that's where we need to, yeah. to to talk it out with someone else it's like yeah we can listen to our own body but we don't always have the language mm -hmm. that the body's speaking. Um, so, you know, my sort of protocol with that would be a lot of Louise Hay's work, a lot of the metaphysical. Let's look at the focus areas. Let's see where the problem, where the perceived problem areas are, because that's that's an important word as well. Is because what we might see as a problem may not actually be, but because of, of our of our perception in terms of body image, um, we often won't see what other people see. So it's where are the areas of perceived problem um, per se and then what how can we work with that to, to unpick our story and, and look at our relationship. Uh, but absolutely get into the place where we can eat with pleasure, with enjoyment, eat a variety of different foods, have the cake, have the kale, you know, and and really strip that, you know, come come right back often for me it's coming right back to basics as well um i'm a huge fan of of saying you know let's count chemicals not calories um and and take it back to you know the basic ingredients and and eat them in their basic format yeah from the soil from earth yeah from so and if that includes sugar it includes sugar if that includes you know because our body ultimately knows what to do with the right amounts, you know, again, inverted commas, because the right amount for me is going to be very different perhaps for you and perhaps for somebody else that's listening based on lifestyles and, and all sorts of things. But, you know, our body has evolved for thousands of years, millions of years with knowing how to break down proteins, fats, vitamins, minerals, carbohydrates. Um, it, it has the mechanisms there for that. What it doesn't know is your artificial flavors, your artificial sweeteners, all of that kind of stuff, that then the body, my vision of it is that the kind of, the, the body then goes into a stop start where when something's going into the body that it doesn't recognize, it's got to then kick on our immune system or kick it off when we kind of go through that process in, in 
and in a situation like that then the food that it does recognize the, the proteins the vitamins the minerals the carbohydrates aren't getting metabolized because its attention is going to the, the thing that it doesn't recognize and ultimately our body's job and the job that it does so well is when something comes in that it doesn't recognize it wants to fight it but it can't actually fight aspartaman or it can't fight you know any of those things because they're not infections so the, the immune system gets in and then we know that we have you know a huge increase in the amount of autoimmune disorders and and you know everything that goes with that so um in terms of diet for me it's kind of i work on that principle you know kind of let's take it right back to basics but that doesn't you know that includes chocolate cake with sugar and in moderation you know it's, it's all things in moderation and it's having a healthy relationship with food rather than necessarily a healthy diet and i'm coming to it from that place what does my body need to nourish it today mm. um will this will this um will this clear my body or will this clog my body i love that That's yes yeah yeah and, um, and how can i support myself to be the healthiest that i want to be because you know the the truth is that if we were all you know if we strip it right back the majority of us want to be the healthiest that we can be um and there are certain choices there but changing sometimes you know i know we're both a huge fan of the power of words one of the most transformational things for me was um whilst i enjoy being active and i enjoy being outdoors and i enjoy fresh air and i enjoy moving my body and um you know i, I do different types of exercise um really what worked very well for me was to change that to actually take exercise out of my vocabulary yes um because exercise to me sounded like hard work i had nightmares of pe skirts camogie sticks on cold days in secondary school yeah. you know that was my experience over and I nightmares know. about sports days and all that oh, sort of stuff yeah yeah. yeah. So when I started seeing it as a celebration of what my body could do, an opportunity to be outdoors, um, that I'm strengthening my body, that it's about longevity, and actually taking it totally away from calories um, or anything to do with weight or body. Uh, so I had a really good example um, last February time. It was a beautiful, crisp, really cold day, and I, but one of those real blue, kind of frosty, you know, blue skies, frosty. Or all of that and I went for a walk near a lake that I, I live near and I decided to do a little bit of stretching and some yoga and stuff whilst I was there it was a nice pier and you know and it was beautiful picture postcard stunning day and I left there and I needed to go to the bank and across from the bank that I use there's the most amazing bakery and I was parked outside it and I looked in the window and there was um you know fresh clean buns Saturday morning fresh clean buns I was like yeah cool I'm gonna go in and get one and the old thinking for me would have been, well, there you are, right? Running and walking and exercising. And then you ate a cream bunch. Why did you even bother going for your walk this morning? Because you've just undone all the good, all the good, uh, work, that all the good work that you did this morning. Yeah. yeah. And thankfully, the new me went and was aware of that because I was yeah. writing some programs at the time. So I was aware of the links. And I, I thought, you know, no. Yes, the calories in the bun probably did outdo the calories in terms of um, the bit of exercise they did, because it wasn't very long, 20 minutes, whatever it was. And however, what the bun didn't undo was the fresh air, 
the endorphins, the stretching, the flexibility, the balance, the core strength, all of those things. So yes, if you, if you only see food as, as calories or you only see exercise as an opportunity or a place to burn calories, then one, no diet cancel out the other. Um, as my overall picture of health, one, the, the cream bond didn't cancel out the walk, the, the fresh air, the smile at the other people out walking, the connection, the, the, as I say, the flexibility, the movement, the strength, all of those things that are ultimately about our overall health. It's about so much more than okay. calories. Yeah, yeah. And for me, um, it, it's interesting just watching your journey from, from afar because we don't get to see each other that often now and my journey. And I've noticed that on our Instagram posts, we don't put exercise, both of us put movement. Yes. Um, but for me, like, I love running and uh, I never, ever in a million years thought I would ever enjoy running, but I absolutely love it. I, um, but it's the feeling. So I'm most in my body. I'm most connected, um, out in the fresh air, beautiful scenery. And it's just, for me, it's like a stress reliever. Like I literally, it's like a, it's an hour where I am just in the moment. And yeah, it's what your body can do and, and the fact that you're able to. Um, Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know you've probably been seeing some of my open water swimming and, and bits like that. I've really got into that in the last wee while. And when I say really got into it, what stopped me actually doing it for quite a while, and I live near, as I say, near the lake, and it, there's a very strong community of, of triathletes and, and people, you know, that are, are quite into their sport and, and they use the lake all the time. And so I had kind of, not done that because in my head you only do that if you're running a serious race or you're you're part of a you know you're 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 swimming for a time trial or you're you're doing all of that kind of stuff and thankfully a couple of years ago I kind of started to move away from that thinking and I've, I've moved much further away from it now thankfully and um, where I'm like I have no interest in doing this to beat a time or be part of that that doesn't mean that I can't be in the water and enjoy that connection and that movement and the building up the, the distance that I can go, not from a place of timing it or looking at any time or, or in fact, even needing, you know, people say, oh my God, you're going in a bikini or swimsuit, not a wetsuit. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't ever intend at this point, I mean, things change, but at this point, it's not about the sport of it. It's mm -hmm. actually about, nature and the connection and and how my body can move and how my body feels in the water um and you know all that goes with that so yeah it's uh, beautiful i've done some of that myself up here in the sea it's invigorating yeah it really is there's a there's a great exhilaration with it um so can can we can we touch on um going back to the chemical side of things yes so we you mentioned earlier on about the well-being culture that we have now, that we live in now. We're everyone is so much more aware of foods, what's in foods. We nearly have diets where it says go sugar-free, don't eat sugar. We have vegans, we have vegetarians, we have which I prefer to call it plant-based food. Um, so we've all of these labels now um, in terms of food. 
<clears throat> I myself have been a vegetarian now for uh, 14 years. Um, it wasn't a health choice, it was an animal welfare choice. Um, but it has evolved over the years, most certainly um, for health reasons. And now, I suppose, more recently, in the last number of years, environmental reasons. But one thing I wanted to touch on is some people think that by going vegetarian or vegan, it's a healthier option. But they might not necessarily be eating healthier foods. Absolutely. And, yeah. And I suppose what I wanted to touch on here is the meat alternatives that is packaged <clears throat> as the healthier food source um, rather than eating meat. And whilst I'm not a, a fan of, of meat, I'm not, um, I think everyone has free will to choose what works for them. Mm -hmm. Can we touch on that a little bit? Because, um, I think a lot of people, including myself, I think I I was naive and, and thought that, you know, corn was was okay to eat. And I would still eat it. I admittedly do still eat it, um, but not on a daily basis, more as a convenience. Um, so can we touch on that? Absolutely. And it's interesting that you say that more as a convenience, um, because that's something that I talk about a lot. I will, you know you will potentially see me in the local takeaway, mm -hmm. you know, maybe once a week or whatever, depending. Um, now, I've become quite conscious around that kind of choice because often what I'll do is I'll choose the kids' box and I'll choose the local takeaway that I know does proper potato chips and, and I allow myself to really enjoy it. So if I'm going to eat those calories and eat that type of food, I want to make sure it's good and I want to make sure there's, you know, salt and vinegar on my chips and I, I want to really enjoy it. So, um, however exactly as you said that that's often not how I want to eat I'm eating it because it's convenient and because maybe I'm working late and I'm home or whatever is going on and um, so often what I find is is that when I'm making choices like that yes I do make them but ultimately if I could have um you know a, a delicious homemade food that would be my preferred choice um can I just say just on that on that point I am um, when Sonny was in, in hospital there recently in September and you know yourself what it's like when you're in hospital, you're with your child 24-7. I was sleeping in the hospital <clears throat> and um, I was eating rubbish to be to be really frank. I was I couldn't believe you could get chocolate bars like this size because <laughs> yeah. I hadn't bought one in so long. So yeah, yeah. um but as cheap, that's the interesting point as well, because those chocolate bars that size are about a pint. A standard chocolate bar is 89p um, and, and and we then buy the one pound bar yeah but they didn't have this is the, in, in the, the hospital. they didn't have standard size yeah, ones they just had the humongous massive yeah, but, because the, the price is almost the same yeah so um so yes i was eating more of of that sort of food and on the saturday night my mother said um look will i go to the local chippy and get us some chips um, so we had chips and french fried onions, I think she had fish and chips and whilst they were really nice at the time and really lovely, after it, after we'd ate it, both of us said the same thing, we're like oh gosh I don't really feel very well, do you feel, oh, and yeah. it was really like the you could nearly taste the grease. Yeah, 
Um, and I could go, I could go very technical with that on a food thing and tell you about their fryers not being hot enough and their oil and all the rest. But, but yes, and and as I said, for me on that, then sometimes it's also portion size because the portions have gotten so huge, and I opt very often for the kids box, which gives me you know kind of twenty chips rather than a hundred chips. And um, it's there's ways of of kind of making that space that you're not so you know overwhelmed. But we often think, oh well, I'm not a child, I'm an adult, I'm going to have the adult size portion, and which are always too big. I mean, we've, the portion sizes are a whole other area, but. Yeah, back to um, I guess the question around um, we can we can probably apply that to any free from products. You know, people who maybe go gluten free, people who go um, dairy free, people who go meat free, or you know that that whole area. Um, I recently posted an article on that, and I suppose when we when we post the podcast, we'll I'll share the link to the article because it was really interesting. Yeah. Um, some of the bigger companies, bigger supermarket companies, are are obviously now moving. You know, there there is a movement towards vegan products and vegetarian products and 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 that whole area. And when you know supply reaches demand, so the demand is increasing, so they're trying to meet a supply on that. Um, however as you said, the majority of those foods are highly processed. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's very difficult to get any of that range of stuff that without it being highly processed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I don't kind of subscribe to boxes per se, you know, so if I was to say where I eat in terms of the type of food I eat, I'm probably flexitarian, uh not rigidly dairy free i don't eat a lot of dairy i do enjoy butter and 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 that type of stuff um flexitarian organic meat and i buy that direct from the farm where i know this the standards are ethical and 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 that's a whole i know there's other people would have still have concerns on that and that's as you say it's about it's about choice um so yes for me it is so many of those foods are highly processed. I mean, you can take it right back even to the diet foods that hit the market in the 80s. And um, when we removed fat and sugar, mm-hmm. we replaced it with sweeteners. When you remove gluten, you replace it with something else. When you remove, um, and but isn't it funny how we think that those things? Isn't it funny how? Well, it's not funny at all because it's marketing. It's very, very yeah. clever, clever marketing. Yes, um, that makes us believe that these free from foods are better for us but Absolutely. really I suppose no they're not no. anything that comes from the earth anything that's from mother nature so if people are making those choices it's about finding ways of making those choices um where you can make a healthier choice for me one of the things I purchased a few years ago and I'm sure you've seen me talking about is a thermomix and yeah. um, my thermomix is is incredible and I I I, I use it so often mm-hmm. um and I what it does. What does, doesn't it chop your veg? Like make the food. It just does everything. Uh, in a nutshell, my choice around that was that I knew it was going to enable me to eat how I wanted to eat in the time constraints that I have as someone who is is quite busy, and um, and so it allows me to make probably at least eighty to ninety percent of the food that I eat from scratch. Um, in a quick easy way now they are expensive 
I will say they are a lifestyle choice. It's, it's a decision. It, it's not just, I'm going to buy a random piece of equipment for the kitchen. It's a lifestyle choice that goes, you know, I'm ready now to, to change how I eat, what I eat, when I eat and, and all of that and change how I shop even because at this point now, I pretty much just buy ingredients. I don't buy food, um, which, which has huge financial benefits. So whilst, you know, certain, like whilst the, 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 the Thermomix is a, an investment, over a period of time, it has saved me quite a considerable amount of money. And um, it has also reduced food waste and, and all of that type of stuff. So yeah, you know, for me, again, it's right back. Let's count the chemicals, not the calories. Let's look at food labels. Um, and let's understand what's going in there. Bypass the market. And I mean, I remember an excellent lecturer that I had at college um, who was just one of those amazing guys. Uh, you know, never had a note, never had a PowerPoint, never had anything. It was all in here. And he used to come in and just ream stuff off. But one of the real lessons that he taught me um, was that he said, you know, he, he taught us, he was talking about dairy. He was our dairy lecturer. And um, he had this thing about full fat milk. And he, you know, he really hammered home to us that full fat milk in its natural state as it is, is 96% fat free. And so it is, it's only 4% fat. So if we were to stick 96% fat free on anything else, it would be flying off the shelves. And, and bear in mind, I was studying in 1997. So, you know, that, that whole market, we were starting to bring in sort of semi-skimmed and skimmed milk. Well, they'd kind of been in maybe about 10 years or so, but we were certainly starting. And actually all we were doing was reducing that 96% to 98% to 99% um, or an increase in it. So we were reducing the amount of milk, full um, skimmed milk is 1% fat um, versus full fat milk is 4% fat. Like for... For the relationship that we have with that, it, 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 you know, it, it, it's so, it was such a marketing thing. It was so based on marketing. And actually, whilst the argument is that the calcium levels remain the same, and again, you know, dairy doesn't need to be our main source of calcium. We can get it from grains and stuff as well, but just taking milk as, as its example. So the calcium content is exactly the same. Um, however, what's missing in, in skimmed milk is that the vitamin D is removed because vitamin D is a fat soluble vitamin. Um, and we need vitamin D to absorb calcium and by nature we don't get a lot of it from sunlight so we need to look at food sources for that. Now again, dairy doesn't need to be our only source for that. But it's really interesting in the journey of that, that, that milk went. Another really interesting one is um, when Cadbury's bought over Fry's chocolate both Cadbury's and Fry's had their own um, their own Turkish Delight bar. Two very different bars, but both the same. And they were about to take Turkish Delight off, the Fry's Turkish Delight off the market because the sales were so low on it. And when somebody sat and looked at it, they went, but it's 96% fat free. Let's blast that on the label. And suddenly all of the diet companies, the, the the weight loss companies and all the rest, but were, you know, it's only so many calories, it's only so many points, it's only so many. And so Fry's Turkish Delight became one of the treat products for women everywhere because it was only 96% fat free. It had always been 96% fat free. That hadn't changed. What had changed was the label. So yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely educating ourselves on labels and having a look at them 
and looking at those ingredients and thinking, you know, if they're taking something out, what maybe are they putting in? Um, and, you know, even, I mean, we can apply the same actually even to, I mean, marketing is a whole massive area, you know, um, cereal bars and fruit bars, yeah. like the sugar content, you'd be as well eating a large bar for some of them. Yeah. Um, it, it's huge, but it's, it's the marketing. So if we could just look at food labels, that would be one of the things that I would say, you know, notice your labels, look at what's in it. Um, and educate ourselves a little bit around that and make our choices from that place. I, I, love, I love that slogan, count the chemicals, not, not the calories. Yeah. Yeah. And on that note, I think we are going to have to close. <laughs> yes, because we're talking loads. We're talking loads and loads and loads. Yeah. But definitely, I would love for you to come back on to talk about moon cycles because that oh, is uh, really really interests me and I think is a nice follow-on from um Her, yes because it all comes back to who we are as women and and everything yeah, yeah so there's a lot there all interconnected so Joanne thank you so 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 much um, you're so welcome really part of knowledge experience but more than that um you embody everything that you that you teach which i think shows and i think is really really important so if anybody would like to get in touch with you with regards to a one-to-one -one session and um, how can they get in touch with you the easiest way is through my website i have an online booking system and stuff there so that kind of takes care of all of that for me so it's www.trythealternative.net and I'm right in saying you do online stuff. Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, if they're across the water, they can get yeah. with you and book a one-to-one -one session online. Yes, absolutely. I mean, technology has just so many advantages for us all. Yeah, it's, it's excellent. And Joanne, you also do programs, isn't that right? You also do online. Yeah, so I have a few interesting programs coming up in um, the new year. I typically don't start anything in January because, you know, again, that is such a loaded time for not being successful in your in what you set out to do. So I work with the, the seasons. Um, so I will start my programs around symbolic in february um and that'll be my spring kind of you know the energy is just generally better um and we're in a better space for making any changes so uh, i'll certainly keep you posted on all of those and we can sh share out what's happening maybe that would be fantastic and um i will put your website um at the end of the podcast so people can get in touch with you Thank you so much. And we'll definitely have a date for the moon cycles. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Excited about that. Um, cool. Okay. Thanks, Joanne. Thank you, Michelle. Take care. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. Bye.